Hello, and thank you for listening to today's broadcast from Stony Point Baptist Church with Pastor Jim England. Today's message is a continuation in the series, Jesus' Ministry in the Gospel of Luke. And now, here's Brother Jim. I want to ask you to take your Bibles. We're looking in the Gospel of Luke. We've made our way to chapter 18. We're down to verse 18, and today we're talking about uh, the rich young ruler. You know, the sad thing about this rich young ruler we're going to see as we read is that he walked away from Christ. He was sad and he walked away. And it's kind of surprising that people will say no to Jesus Christ. And so today we're focusing in on people that it's just hard for them to say yes. They're kind of like this rich young ruler. So we're picking up in verse 18. So if you want to look with me. Luke chapter 18, verse 18. Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now that's the right question. He's asking the right person. And Jesus said, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, and honor your father and mother. And he said, all these things I have kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you lack one thing, sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he had come become very sorrowful, he said, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, Who then can be saved? But he said, These things which are impossible with men are possible with God. And then Peter said, See, we've left all and followed you. And he said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many more times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. Let's have prayer again. Lord, would you bless us and help us as we study. Give us wisdom and may your Holy Spirit just have a freedom to be able to speak to us. We just thank you again for each one that's here, the love you have for them. And I pray your blessings upon each one. And we thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Eternal life, what a great question to be able to ask, to ask about heaven. We think about heaven. I heard about a couple of uh, students that were asked, some little children about heaven and what it was like. And so a couple little girls, I wrote down their answers. So one of them said, heaven, it's a place where good people go. And then she said, and bad people They go to somewhere that's hot, like Florida. (laughs) Another little girl, she said, heaven, it's a place where there's no homework. You know, I guess for some students, that would be heaven, no homework. But she paused, and she said, unless my teacher makes it. (laughs) Heaven is very much a real place. Some people have a hard time with it. But it's still upon their mind. One fella wrote a song about heaven. Blood, sweat, and tears. You ever hear of them singing? They had a song called When I Die. 
And then our verse of it said this. It said, I swear there ain't no heaven. And I pray there ain't no hell. Well, I can tell you something. There is a heaven. And there also is a hell. And they're both of them very much real. And there's people that will be in both places. A choice that we need to be able to make. Now, the rich young ruler comes to him and he asks him that question. Good master, what can you do to be saved? And Jesus says, which is a surprising thing. He said, why are you calling me good? Why do you call me good? There's no one good but God. I think Jesus is saying something. One, you can't flatter Jesus. Sometimes we want to flatter God to get what we want. He's on to us. He knows everything about us. It's good to praise Him. Make it genuine. You can't flatter God. Here's a second thing. The Bible refers to God as good. Most of the Jews, when they thought about goodness, they thought about God. Let me give you some verses. Psalm 25, verse 8 says this. Good and upright is the Lord. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 86, 5. For you, Lord, are good. You're ready to forgive. You're abundant in mercy. Here's another one. Psalm 106, 1. Praise the Lord and give thanks to the Lord for He's good. God is good. So Jesus is trying to find out. Are you calling me good because you recognize the fact that I'm God? Because God's good. But then Jesus tells him, notice what he said, but there is no one else that's good. Nobody else should be called good. So does he have a, the definition of good wrong? And many people have their definition, just like this young, rich young ruler, the definition of good is wrong. There's people that think that they're good. A lot of the Pharisees thought they were good. The Apostle Paul, boy, what a heritage he had. And you can read in Philippians chapter 3, and Paul lists his background. You get to verse 6, and he says, when it comes to the law, blameless. You know what that means? I'm good. So there's people that really thought that they were good. This man thought he was good. Jesus mentioned the commandments. I've kept them. I'm good. But the Bible makes it clear we're not good. Jesus said there's no one good but God. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 says this. There's none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understand. There is none who seeks after God. They've all turned aside. They've all together become unprofitable. There is none that does good, not even one. You know, actually, Paul is quoting from several verses. One of them is from Psalm 14, 1. It says, the fool has said in his heart, there's no God. And then he says, because people are arrogant. Basically, we think we're good. But God says, no, your goodness is like an abomination. And then he says, there is no one that does good. No, not one. Paul went ahead in chapter 3. 
And he sums up in verse 23. He says, all of us has fallen short. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we're all, we're, none of us, when it comes to it, are good. So I get asked this question all the time. Would God send a good person to hell? Well, you know what that answer is. No. He wouldn't send a good person to hell. But who's good? That's the question. And what we see from the Bible is no one. We've all sinned. There's none of us that are good. When I put it in quotations, good, good people have a hard time making it to heaven. You know why? I'm talking about religious people. I'm talking about people that have been taught right and, right and wrong. People that do good things. Because a lot of times they have a hard time believing that they're a sinner. I was watching a video one time and this fella, he said, you know, I really struggle with believing that I'm a sinner. This fella, he said, I had a hard time believing that I was a sinner. Because I never stole anything. I never told a lie. I was taught not to do those things. I didn't do them. We're all sinners. We all fall short of God's standard. He finally admitted, God does have a standard and I fall short of it. So there's many good people that have a hard time. And it also brings the question up. What about people that are good that haven't heard about Jesus? By the way, you start talking to people about Christ. They're going to ask a lot of questions. To change the subject many times. And sometimes they'll ask, what about the person that's in a foreign country that has never heard about Jesus? Well, the Bible's already declared that we're all sinners. I hope we've established that. There's no one that's good. Then, in the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 20, it tells us we are without excuse. Chapter 1, verse 20, it says this, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that we are without excuse. Creation declares to us there's a God. Things didn't happen by an accident. Creation just shouts out, God, He exists. Chapter 2 of Romans, verse 15, says this. Who shows the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness between themselves, their thoughts accusing or excusing them. So Paul also says this. People are without excuse of saying, I don't believe there's a God. Now creation tells us there's a God. Well, our conscience he tells us, also lets us know God exists because of the morals. You and I, our conscience lets us know there is a standard, a godly standard that comes from God. Socrates said this. He said, it is innate. Something, which means something you're born with. You know right and wrong. He said, I can prove to you. I can take something from you. You know that stealing's wrong. 
And it's true. Paul here in chapter 2, he's saying people that don't have the law, they still know that stealing and different things that's mentioned in the law are wrong. Their conscience lets them know. So what am I saying? I'm saying that a person that lives in a different country that hasn't been exposed to Christ is guilty because they have sinned, they know there's a God, and they have a conscience that convicts them. That's how come the command is for us to go. The Great Commission is to go. See, there's people that say, you know what? Uh, people that live that's never heard, they're going to be okay. Well, if that is true, then we should just leave them alone. But it's not true. The Bible tells us we need to take the gospel all over the world. Does God love those people? You better believe it. Jesus died on the cross for who? God so loved the world. God loves them. And he went and he died for them. Why does the church exist? Because God loves those individuals. Why do we have missionaries? Because God loves those individuals. Why is it that here we do a Christmas offering every year for international missions? Why do we do that? Why wouldn't we keep our money right here where we're at? Because people need to hear about Jesus all over the world. He loves them. And so many people then have a hard time making it to heaven when they think, I'm good. That included this rich young ruler. Then there's people that have a hard time making it to heaven, not just because they're good, but because they're prideful. This rich young ruler, when Jesus said, you know the commandments, and then he named off, notice he named off five. The first four deal with God. The last six deal with our relationships with others. And so notice he, Jesus named off five of them. Don't commit adultery, don't murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And notice this young man, he said, I've done them. I've kept all of them. He was so prideful. Had so much pride. I've kept them all. Did you notice the one that Jesus didn't mention? He didn't mention coveting. You know what the Apostle Paul said? I told you, Paul... Back when he was a Pharisee, he felt like, as far as keeping law, I'm blameless. In Romans chapter 7, verse 7 through 9, Paul mentions coveting. He said, that one got me. You know what coveting is? It has to do with the heart. It's not an action, it's the heart. And see, it was when Paul began to deal with the heart that he began to realize, I am a sinner. Apparently, this fellow missed Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Because remember what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount? He said, if you lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. If you have hatred towards somebody, you've committed murder in your heart. A lot of times, we're not quite as good as we think we are. You ever seen the way of the master? They'd stop people on the street, and they would just begin to ask them the Ten Commandments. They would ask them to start with, they'd say, hey, you think when you die you're going to heaven? And, you know, most people say yes. Even people don't believe in heaven. When they die, they think they're going. And then they ask them, they say, well, have you ever blasphemed? Taking God's name in vain? And they said, oh, yes, I've taken God's name in vain. And let me tell you, it's a common occurrence today, even among Christians. You hear somebody talk about being a Christian and they've taken Jesus' name in vain. 
Have you ever committed adultery? And they'll say, that means lusting after someone. I say, oh, yes. You ever stolen something? Yes. And they'll end up saying, well, you know what? You've just admitted. You're a blaspheming adulterer at heart. Now, where do you think you're going to be on Judgment Day? See, it's a different story. But this fella, he had pride. A person with pride has a hard time admitting when they're wrong. Now, just think. The Gospel of Matthew in chapter 19, it tells us this fella was young. So think about it. He's young. He's wealthy. He's wise. He's probably a handsome fella. Very talented. I don't know. Maybe he's got it all. Maybe he's athletic. You take somebody that seems like that they've got it all, they can be very prideful. And a person that has a lot of pride, has a hard time admitting when they're wrong. Have you ever met somebody that will not apologize? Because they're never wrong. You don't have to point at anybody. And they have so much pride. You know, there's somebody else mentioned in the Bible that fits these characteristics. That was just very beautiful. That was super smart. Talented and gifted. No doubt. And their pride got the best of them. In fact, you can read about this person in the book of Isaiah, chapter 14. Let me just flip there and let me just read to you about this person. Very beautiful person. By the way, his name is Lucifer. Verse 12 says, Oh, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning star. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you said in your heart, I, I will ascend to the heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation of the farther sides of the north. I will ascend into the heights of the clouds. I will be the most high God. Lucifer had become so prideful, he thought, I'm going to replace God. And that's what prideful people do. They become their own God. And it becomes only about them and they become the sinner. And so as a result, they have a hard time becoming a Christian because they won't be honest with themselves. You know what the Bible tells us that God's Word is like? The book of James, it tells us it's like a mirror. And so the Bible helps us to see who we are spiritually. It's always a good thing to read your Bible because it, it helps you to see you. That's how come a lot of people don't want to read their Bible. That's why they don't want to come to church and hear about the Bible. Because it allows you to see who you really are. And there's many people that do not want to know who they really are. And so, prideful people have a hard time because they don't want to be honest. They don't want to admit sin. They refuse to be able to truly humble themselves. You can never be saved. You'll never be in the will of God. Until you humble yourself and say, I need help. I need God. This rich young ruler, his problem was pride. And then we see another thing that Jesus points out. By the way, Jesus knows our hearts. And he knows this man's heart. And he looked at him and he said, you know, you lack one thing. Sell everything you got. Give to the poor. Was Jesus actually giving a command for everybody that wants to be a disciple? Sell everything you got? No. I don't think that he's given a command to everybody. So why did he tell this fella 
you got to sell everything you want. By the way, notice that he walked away sad. I want you to know something. There's a lot of people that could have said, they said, Jesus didn't handle this right. This guy could have been a follower. He could have just said, you just got to give a certain amount. Let me tell you something. Jesus did handle it right. Because what he's dealing with is the heart. And what he realizes is this fella has made money his God. He's replaced God and made money his God. Remember Jesus had already said, you can't worship both God and money. You can't. It's the love of money. It's not money that's the root of all. It's the love of money. And people have made money their God. Adrian Rogers one time was talking about idols. And he said, you want to know what an idol is? Here's three things that would help you. Anything that you love more than God. Anything that you serve more than God. Anything that you fear more than God. Money had become his idol. Now see, for you, it may not be money. For you, it may be a hobby. For you, it may be a sport. For you, it could be a job. It could be a person. It could be something else. But we all, we're not careful we have idols. We put something before God. We're serving something before God. I shared this story with you. Tony Evans one time was dealing with a couple. They were marital problems. The lady said, well, I'll tell you, he plays basketball every night. He loves basketball more than he does me. That's our problem. And so he asked that young man, he said, you love basketball more than her? And he said, no. He said, prove it. So he gave it up. He turned in the basketball. So after about two weeks, this lady come back one night with the basketball. And she said, here's your basketball. Flipped it to him. He said, well, I, I was giving this up. And she said, you've proved to me that you love me more than the basketball. She said, I just don't want you to play every night. I don't mind you being gone and playing a couple of nights, but just not every night. I love you enough that I want you to be able to do what you enjoy. Do you know that sometimes God will do that with us? There's things that we've made an idol that's not necessarily bad in itself, but we put too much of a priority on it. It has become God to us. And sometimes God says, give it up. That's what he's doing here with this man. Your riches have become too important to you. Give it up. Let me see that I'm more important to you than them. And then many times God will give right back to us. Those very things when we show that he's number one. You see, it's hard for a rich person to make it into heaven because they trust in their riches. You ever read the book of Revelation? The church of Laodicea is the lukewarm church. It was uh, hot, neither hot nor cold. But you know, here's the thing about Laodicea. It was a very rich church. You know what, Laodicea at one time, they had an earthquake, destroyed everything. But you know what they didn't do? They didn't beg the government, come and rebuild for us. They didn't ask other communities, come and help us. You know what they did? They had so much money, they just rebuilt themselves, and they were proud of that. The problem with the church of Laodicea, they had so much they were dependent on themselves and they did not seek after God and did not worship and follow God like they should. It was just too easy to trust in riches. Riches for some people mean 
I don't have worry. I don't have, I've got freedom. I've got security. But let me tell you something riches can't do. Riches can't buy you eternity. Riches cannot stop death from taking place. Cannot. So it's easy, though, for us to trust. It's easy for us to trust in the here and now. That's why people love money. It's just easy to say, it's about now. And they forget about eternity. There's a lot of people who don't want to talk about eternity. They avoid it. They just want the here and now. Louis XV was like that. King Louis XV of France. He forbid anyone to mention the word death in his presence. But guess what? It didn't stop people from dying. And it didn't keep him from dying. It won't keep you from dying. But there's people that try to avoid it. They don't want to think about it. But it's going to happen. And riches don't stop it. Jesus said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to be saved. What's that mean? You know, there's some people that had come up with a story about a camel. There was a gate, they said, in Jerusalem, and a camel, to go through it, had to get down on its knees and crawl through it. And it was called the eye of the needle. Well, I had a professor, probably the smartest man I ever met in my life, William Lane, that said he'd researched and went back and studied all that. He said, I just can't find anywhere where that's true. Joey said, but even if it was true, it's, it sounds good. It is good to humble yourself. But why couldn't it be that Jesus was just saying, you've got a needle, there's an eye that's in that needle, you put a thread through. It's easier for a camel to get through that. That's impossible. Camel can't go through that. And you know what? When it boils down to it, I want you to listen to this. It is impossible for somebody to get to heaven on their goodness. It is impossible for somebody to get to heaven by bragging about all the things that they've done. It is impossible for somebody to get to heaven buying their way. You can't. So the disciples said, well, who can get to heaven then? He said, here, what is impossible with others is possible with God. Only God can make a way for you to make it into heaven. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can't come any other way. It doesn't matter where you're at. What part of the world you're in, Christ is the only way. The only way for forgiveness. It's just Jesus and Him alone. Only God can do the impossible. How do you do that? You have to admit. You've got to drop the pride. You've got to admit, I'm a sinner and repent. I want to turn from that sin. I want to get out of living that way. And then, you have to put your faith and trust in Jesus as Lord as the one that's in charge. You've got to be able to say, Lord, I'm, I'm, Jesus, I'm making you Lord. That's it. That's what it boils down to. The rich young ruler walked away. It was sad. He was sad. But he walked away. You see, the rich young ruler, too much pride. Rich young ruler had too many riches. Too many things that were more important than God. And he walked away. Let me ask you something. Have you ever walked away from God? Have you ever just said, no, I'm not doing that, God. I'm not giving this up. This is too important to me. I'm not. God loves you. But God gives you a freedom. He lets you make the choice. 
Today, you can turn and you can be able to make Jesus Christ Lord. You can be able to have an abundant life. What I mean by that, you can have peace with God. Only Christ can give you that. You can have the security of knowing that heaven is your home. Only Christ can give you that. You can be able to have a peace of knowing you're forgiven. Only Christ can give you that. Today, it's your choice. That you got to turn from your sin. You got to make Jesus Christ Lord. Let's take a moment. Let's have prayer. Lord, thank you for each one that's come out today. Lord, we do realize it's hard sometimes to follow you. And Lord, we realize even as Christians, sometimes we're not where we should be because we've allowed other things to take prominence. So Lord, I just ask that you would just help each of us to be able today to focus on what really is important. And Lord, may each of us recommit ourselves to you. Lord, may we allow you to be number one in our lives. Lord, may no one today walk away sad. May each person be able to walk away with a true joy that nobody can take away, having peace with you obtained only through Jesus Christ. May you help us, Lord, to be more committed to missions, more committed to sharing and telling others about Jesus. I pray you'd have your way today in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Pastor Jim England. If you missed a sermon or would like to re-listen to a message, you can find Brother Jim on Spotify, Google, and Apple under Stony Point Podcast with Jim England. God bless you.